All right. Good morning, everybody. How many of you got super nervous watching that? Like your hams got a little clammy? Yeah, exactly. Tell you what, uh, I probably was in the adventurous spirit this week, and so that was me uh, off of the roof of our house yesterday. Um, so I'm not trying to show you up or anything, but man, it's, it, was, it was a great... No, I'm just kidding. It is great to see all of you here this morning. That, that The idea of that video that they're trying to ask is, are you all in? And speaking of being all in, how about the in pink guys, huh? Can we get, praise God again for that one more time? Holy cow. I tell you what, I tell you what, speaking of being all in, I, have you ever seen middle-aged men dressed in pink get that excited about Jesus, right? Pink is the new black, and real men wear pink, amen? And that's what I love about those guys, and it has very little to do with what's going on out here. It has everything to do with what's going on in here, in their hearts. They are all in for Jesus. They're all in for connecting kids with Jesus' love. That just gives you a little taste of what goes on uh, upstairs and in this front wing. If you hear the building shaking or the floor shaking, it's because that's going on up there while we're down here. So we have a lot of fun, but that kind of looks like a lot of fun. Sometimes I want to leave and go up there and and join them, but we'll stay down here because we got exciting things to talk about as well. Um, I tell you what, as we dive into this today, some of you are asking the question, what would it look like to be all in? What would it look like to have your heart fully engaged? We think about this a lot. When I say that phrase, all in, I'm sure a lot of different things uh, come to your mind. What comes to my mind, I had a group of buddies in college that we kind of all lived in the same area, and we'd all gather at this house, and it was called the big house. And at the big house, it was kind of like the place where all the young adult guys would hang out. And from time to time, we would just come up with random things to do. People would have an idea, and because we didn't have any commitments or anything like that, we could just do whatever. And it might be, hey, let's go to a midnight movie, or let's have a flag football game in the snow, or let's attend a concert that's five hours away at a moment's notice, or whatever it was. Somebody would pitch the idea, and it normally started with, hey, guys, what if we fill in the blank? And everybody, you know, some people would be like, yeah, 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 they were really excited. And some people would be a little bit more cautious and a little bit more hesitant, like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And and kind of like that gal at the beginning of the video that's kind of standing on the edge wondering, ah, should I go one, two, three? Oh, I don't know if I want to do it. And she wasn't quite all in. However, there was one guy, this is not his real name, I changed the names to protect the innocent here, but we'll just call him Dan. And Dan was always all in, meaning whatever the idea was that we had, whatever the time it took, whatever the cost, he was all in. Everybody say, all in. He was all in. So, hey, should we have a snowball fight in our swimsuits? You bet. Should we drive 12 hours to go to some rock concert? Why not? Should we help some neighbors move in 95 degree heat? Of course. Why not? Why? Because he's all in, because he's all in. I'm wondering, as I was praying about the message this week, what would it look like to go all in with Jesus? And just sit in that for a second and just reflect on that. What would it look like to go all in for Jesus? Meaning, whatever the call, in a similar way, but much more meaningful. That whatever the call, whatever time it took, whatever the cost, whatever Jesus was calling you to do, you would say, I'm all in. That nothing could be more important. No other opinion in your life matters as much. There's no area of your life that would be off limits to him. And here's the incredible promise for us this morning. When we go all in 
with Jesus. And I'm not talking about jumping up on the stage and wearing pink and going wild and crazy. That's just an outward expression of what's going on in here, of a heart that is fully surrendered to Jesus. When we go all in with Jesus, we can be assured that we're going to be spending our lives living for something that will matter for eternity. How many other things in your life can make that promise? As fun as your hobbies are, as much as the things that you love to do on the side, as important as your relationships are, as important as some of your passions are, are any of them going to last after you're gone? What are the things that you're going to do this week that will matter after you're gone, that will matter for eternity? That's really the heart of this campaign that we've been talking about these last few weeks called Building Hope Together. I'll say that together, Building Hope Together. You see it all on the screens. You see it around the building, this this campaign. And and the idea is that we're supporting uh, this building that we continue to grow into and grow out of, as you can tell, this morning. But here's, I was thinking about it this week. The truth is, except maybe for a few babies that are in the nursery right now, a hundred years from now, Who's going to be here? Not us. Nobody in this room is going to be here. It's kind of a a sobering thought, and it begs the question, okay, what will our legacy be? What will the legacy of Lutheran Church of Hope Des Moines in this generation, because hopefully this goes on for generation after generation, when people look back on this first generation, what will our legacy be? What we do today and what we do during the remainder of this campaign could pave the way so that in 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, Hope Des Moines might gather for worship, not with hundreds, but with thousands of members, not necessarily just in one Hope Des Moines location, but in multiple Hope Des Moines locations. Can you imagine that? that you have built a place, that you'll have the opportunity to build a place where, so for many of you, your kids have been baptized. Maybe your future kids will be baptized. They will be confirmed, even married, as we've had some weddings here recently. Can you imagine 25 years from now, the children that you just saw up here on stage that are upstairs learning about Jesus, or they're being held over in the nursery right now, and they're, <laughs> imagine this, that you never, you go to a really old church, and they have all these old black and white pictures, and you're kind of looking through them, and you're like, these people are goofballs, like, wow, they're going to be doing that with you, just so you know, and your kids, and the kids 25, 50 years from now are going to be going through the archives looking, like, what a goofy looking bunch of, they thought that was in style, right? Your kids, maybe some of your kids are already doing that with some of your pictures, and they're going to be looking through that. What if instead, when they're looking through pictures and reading stories of what we were passionate about as a church in 2015, what if your kids and your grandkids could say, I'm so glad that there was a group of people back in November of 2015 that were thinking of us? I'm so glad there was a group of people that weren't in it just for themselves or what made them comfortable, but they were in it for the thousands of people who aren't even here yet. I'm so glad that they didn't limit God to what this room and our lobby and the rest of the church can handle because God is so much bigger than that. I'm glad they went all in. 
I'm glad they went all in. I'm glad they didn't hold anything back. I'm so glad that that group of people, my parents, my grandparents, stayed faithful. Stayed faithful and they didn't let boulders get in the way. (laughs) If you can see last week, we had this timeline set up of kind of where we were back in 2008 as a church, as we launched as a church, where we're at today here in 2015, and then this vision of where God is calling us in the future. And that it would seem that starting a church and doing ministry in the city would be very easy, and so we could just run from one place of our journey to the next. But as we discovered last week, that there were some barriers in the way. I had to work out this week. These are heavier than they look. Um, And the first boulder that we encountered from our launch to where we are today was the room you're sitting in right now. This building that gets used basically every night of the week for multiple things that we've already basically outgrown. Praise God for that. But the reality is we couldn't get from here to there because we didn't have that permanent church home. And about a year ago, December 7th of last year, we moved in to this building and that was a giant, praise God, yeah, that giant boulder got moved. And so that was out of the way, and with that out of the way, we were able to run into the vision that God had for us today here in 2015. And last week, we talked about all the things that God has been doing, but then what we realized is that just when we thought the coast was clear to run into the future, there's a giant boulder, maybe even a bigger boulder, that is getting in the way. I don't even know how to hold this. That was getting in the way of where we are today to moving into the future. And that is this beautiful thing called alone or the mortgage, the the debt that we have on this building. And I know that's not very exciting to talk about, but you know what's exciting? is here. Because I believe, believe it or not, the best is yet to come. I have never been more passionate about doing what we're doing. I am more excited today than I was back then. Back then, I had no clue what I'm doing, and... I still don't, but that's not the point. The point is God knows exactly what he's doing. It's not about me, and it's not about you. It's what he wants to do through us. And so we got rid of that one boulder, but now this boulder stands between us and the vision for the future that God is calling us to. And what is that vision? It was what we talked about last week. Let's go ahead and put that up on the screen. Imagine a community where thousands of the broken, the hurting, the complacent, even those burned out on church, could find compassion and healing and grace and be transformed and be sent out each week with a renewed passion to reach out to the city with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. The reason I keep putting that up there is because it's so easy to forget. Why do we exist as a church? Why do we do what we do? It's that. It's that vision that as I've listened to you and and met with you and been in your homes and sat by your hospital beds and listened to what you're passionate about and what's going on in your lives, and as this church has continued to grow, that's been the thing that continues to come forth. What if we were a church where people could come and be loved and be healed and then be transformed and sent back out, that we would be known as a church not just for how many we gather, but for how many we're sending. That our ministry would be far beyond the four walls of this church building. That's where we're going. That's what's written on that sheet. If you want to pull that out and kind of be looking at that as we go through the rest of the message, that's the vision that I want you to take with you. Stick it on your fridge. Wherever you're going to see it, that's what we've been called to. That's what we've been talking about. And one of the obstacles getting in the way is this 
loan that this, this boulder represents. And with that loan, as you know, I'm obviously not a math expert, but here's what I know. We're paying a lot of money in interest every single month that we could be sending somewhere else. And where is that? Well, it's to expand the ministries of this church. I would so much rather not <laughs> do that every month. I would rather just get rid of it so that we could run. And I believe that's what God's calling us to. The less money we're spending on interest, the more money is going right outside this building. The more money is going to the ministries that exist here in this city. I have to tell you, just this past week, this WizKids mentoring program that we started just a couple months ago is on fire, and it is taking off, and I can't go anywhere. I, I went to get my uh, car oil changed at the Honda dealer this past week, and my service advisor, my mechanic, comes up to me and says, hey, are you Pastor John? And now when people ask me that, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to say yes or not. I said, yeah, and he said, you're doing that mentoring program down there, aren't you? I'm like, God, what are you doing? And he's like, I've got two teenage kids that we adopted from Africa, and I want to teach them about giving back right now. Do you think that we could all come and help with that on Thursday nights? Oh, and by the way, your oil change will cost $19.99, right? Like, it's just everywhere, right? This, again, this past week, another elementary school from across the city had heard about what we're doing and the impact that it's having on the kids at Edmonds Elementary, which is right up the street here, and another elementary school called us, and their teachers are asking to send their kids to our church because they're changing in the classroom. And God is impacting their lives, and teachers see a visible notice. So public schools are calling us because of the love and the mentoring and the tutoring that these kids are getting. Praise God for that. Amen? This is exciting stuff. And, that, and that's what I'm talking about is that we're finding our stride, Hope. We're, we're, we're running, and yet we keep running into this boulder. And it's not just that. It's the ministries that continue to grow and expand. What if we expanded it beyond elementary kids to, to middle school kids to junior high to starting a high school ministry here, to, to expanding it to college and university students all over Des Moines. What if Hope Des Moines was known as the place to come, that if you're in recovery, you can be loved and welcomed and forgiven, and yet find that healing and that new life that you're looking for, no matter what hurts or habit or hang-up that you're in. Those are just to name a few. All these different ministries that God is growing and, and, and popping up, they need room. They need space to, to breathe, to grow. And when that boulder is removed, we can even run faster after those dreams. Amazing things happen when you go all in with Jesus. Amazing things happen when you don't hold anything back and you go all in. And nobody knows that better than Jesus' friend, Mary. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to John chapter 12. And we're going to discover what it looks like to go all in in our story today. John chapter 12. We've been in this sermon series uh, that we've been called the Signs of the Times. The Signs of the Times, and it's the Gospel of John. And when we arrive on the scene, you'll remember last week, these stories beautifully tie together Jesus rose this guy Lazarus from the dead. That doesn't happen every day. In John chapter 11, Lazarus comes back from the dead. Jesus raises him from the dead. I'm not talking about CPR. I'm talking about 
four days dead in the grave, and Jesus brings him back to life. And so now we flip the page about a couple months later to John chapter 12 in the, the history of it, and there is a dinner being thrown at Lazarus' home in Jesus' honor, which I was reading this, and I'm like, that totally makes sense. If I found the guy that rose me from the dead, I'd be like, you know, dinner's, dinner's on me, Jesus, right? <laughs> now, uh, how about for the rest of your life, Jesus, I'll pick up your tab, right? You rose me, raised me from the dead. Like, how do you repay somebody for that? Well, maybe that was not the point. So they're having this dinner, and Lazarus' sisters, you've heard of, are Mary and Martha. And what do you think Mary and Martha are doing? What they normally do, right? If you remember the story, Martha's running around and Googling recipes and, you know, running around and like a chicken with her head cut off trying to get prepared. And what's Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Being with him, experiencing that intimacy. And so when we arrive on the scene, there's Mary with Jesus and we read in verse 3. Look at this together. Then Mary took about a, a pint of pure nard, which is an expensive perfume, And she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, you read that and you're like, well, that's kind of odd. But then you're like, okay, let's get to more exciting stories. Now, you have to understand the significance and how scandalous what just happened was. First, the extravagance of what was given and also the method of of how it was given. So first, the extravagance. First, a pint of this nard. Everybody say nard. Doesn't sound like something you want dumped on you, does it? But it is. This perfume would have cost about 300 denarii, which is their uh, unit of, of, of measurement of currency, or a year's wages. Anybody ever bought perfume for your wife that's a year's wages? I mean, honey, I love you, but not that much, right? A year's wages. In U.S. money, 300 denarii, $10,000. That's our children's program. $10,000. That's an expensive bottle of perfume. You better smell good for a year. I mean, that's expensive stuff. And not only that, it would have been extremely improper for a Jewish woman, as Mary was, to let down her hair around a Jewish man. It was supposed to be up. It was supposed to be covered. And here she is not only at the feet of Jesus with her hair down. Like, what is she thinking? Could it be that Mary knew that the only way to respond to Jesus is with everything? That Mary knew the only way to respond to how Jesus had loved her was to be all in. And yet, not everyone saw that so beautifully, as you remember in the story. Look at verse 4. But when one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, verse 5, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now you stop there and you think, okay, Judas kind of got a point. No, he's sticking up for the poor and that's good and Jesus would care about the poor. So this is a little weird. Verse 6, I love how John writing this gospel later on in life can see back with perspective and gives us a glimpse into Judas's heart. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he was the treasurer of the group of disciples. He used to help himself to what was put into it. So they're taking collections for the poor, and we get this glimpse into Judas's life, which behind the mask is acting like he cares 
Instead, it's a heart that's cold and that's selfish. Also a heart that has been, so far, been unable to receive the extravagant love of Jesus. You know how sometimes you can go to church your whole life, you can be religious, you can do all the right things, and yet there's that moment that I know a lot of you can remember where you know the love of Jesus became real to you. You know what I'm talking about? There's that moment where we move from here to here. And a lot of you know that moment. For Judas, that hadn't happened yet because instead of living open, he was living close. Why would Mary do this? Why would she do something so scandalous? Well, could it be that after having been with Jesus for years, could it be that her life had been so transformed that the only proper response was to give everything, and she didn't care what anybody else thought? Don't forget that just a month or so ago, Jesus had rose her brother from the dead, and could it be that she was simply so overwhelmed with gratitude? We do goofy things when we're thankful, don't we? When we're so overwhelmed with gratitude and almost to what we're not even thinking about it, almost to what Jesus has done for her, it's like generosity breeds generosity. When you've been shown so much love, you're going to love deeply in return. No one told Mary to give this gift. No one told her to just pour it all out. I mean, you could have just done a little bit, Mary, and it would probably would have stunk up the room too, right? But she dumped the whole thing. It's like, it's over the top. It's extravagant. It doesn't make any sense. It's overwhelming. And Jesus says, now you're starting to get it. Now you're starting to get it. My love for you is extravagant. It's poured out. It's over the top. It's beyond the limits of what your mind can comprehend. You think Jesus loves me just a little bit? These kids up here singing, Jesus loves me. He is for me. That's what I love about kids. It's just like they're just sponges. And yet at a certain point as we grow up and become adults and become important people, that sponge grows hard. And we stop just receiving that love, that wild and crazy, extravagant love that Jesus has for us. That's why she gave, not out of guilt, not out of pressure, but because her life had been changed. And I know that's why many of you give. That's why many of you serve. That's why so many of you love so well and so deeply because your lives have been changed a part of this community. And the only natural response is a get to, not a got to. There's no guilt. There's no pressure. Isn't that the best kind of giving? Isn't that the best kind of serving where you're just like, I have to do this. This is the only natural response. You watch people in college football stadiums and NFL football stadiums all over the country. Is there anybody down on the, feelings, uh, down on the field saying, okay, let's go. Let's get excited. When they score a touchdown, I, I, even if you don't want to, you should stand up and cheer. No, when your team scores a touchdown, when something exciting happens, when you're caught up in something bigger than yourself, you just respond. It's just natural. That's maybe the way that God wants it to be. There's nothing to earn and there's nothing to prove because it's the only natural response to a God that's given us everything. We're blessed to be a blessing. It reminds me of a, a story. Tiffany and I were on a trip to Colorado several years back, and we met up with some friends 
that were around our age. We were kind of in our late 20s at the time. And when you're in your late 20s, you go do random things. And we went to this amusement park, and yet it was extremely hot, like extremely hot. And in, in, in Colorado, in the Denver area, it's not humid, but it's just dry. It's the sun just beats down on you. It's so like, what's the one cool place in, in the whole amusement park is the arcade. So four adults walk into the arcade, and we are definitely the oldest people there, other than the parents uh, of, of the kids that are there. And we walk in, and the only person that has any cash on them is my, is my buddy Daniel. And he walks in, and he puts $20 into the machine that you're supposed to get tokens to play the games, right? And he's thinking, oh, well, we'll just play for a little bit and cool off. I just need like 2 or $3 worth. Yeah, it's all or nothing when you put the $20 bill in. So we got $20 worth of tokens, which is a lot. And so we spent two and a half hours. Like, it was that long. I've never played so many games of skee-ball, and I've never cheated so badly at the basketball hoop game because I could just take the balls and just put them in there. So, like, these tickets, you know, you get tickets for winning the game. These tickets are just feeding out of the arcade because I'm just boop, boop, and it's like jackpot, jackpot, boop, boop, jackpot, and just winning over and over. And these tickets and just skee-ball over and over again I'm cheating and just getting lots of tickets that's not the moral of the story <laughs> the moral of the story is at the end of at the end of these two and a half hours all four of us pool our tickets together and there's just gobs of them there's just tons of tickets and so we're standing in line it's like I don't want a stuffed walrus like what's the you know you go up there and you get a little prize for all your tickets that you have and like we don't need this and then Tiffany and I look behind us and there's this Seven or eight-year-old boy behind us that has like three tickets. I'm like, dude, you're going to get one Laffy Taffy and your day is going to be ruined. But his mom's standing with him, and here's this little boy with four tickets, and here's us like, you know, we're just a bunch of adults like getting the Nintendo or whatever, you know, like, we don't need this. We've been blessed with so much. We don't need this. <laughs> and so I kind of look at Tiffany, and she kind of looks at me, and, you know, you kind of have that nonverbal communication. I'm like, so we turn around, and we go, hey, buddy. And he kind of looks up at us, and he go, we, it's like overflowing. We're like, you want some tickets? And he's like, huh? And we're like, here. And we just like dump him on this kid, right? It's like bigger than he is. Like he can't even hold on to him. He's like, here. And he goes, huh? And, and his mom looks at us and goes, are you serious? And we're like, yeah, we're serious. We don't need him. Like, he wants something more than we do. He could use it more than, than we can. Yeah, we're serious. And she goes, are you serious? Yes, we're serious. Take him. Like, she's like what, trying to give him back. Like, no, 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 no. Like, are you serious? Yes, we're serious. Take the tickets. This is our gift to you. Receive it. We don't need them. No, really? You're serious? Yes, take the tickets. She was just beside herself. And I remember walking away, walking out of that arcade empty-handed, which in the world standards would be like, what? Think of how much you got to got for yourself. And I just walked out of the arcade that day just feeling like my heart was enlarged with joy. It's like, oh, maybe that's the point. Ran across this verse from uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 today, and I love how the message version puts it. Let's read this together up on the screen. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy get smaller and smaller. Don't you love that? Just that idea that that's that feeling of having your heart enlarged with joy. And in that moment in line, we have the choice. Are we going to be Mary or are we going to be Judas? Are we going to have this heart or are we going to have this part? Are we going to have a heart that's open? Are we going to have 
a heart that's closed and calloused? Are we going to, one heart is holding back and one heart is all in, over the top, extravagant. Now, some of you might say, thanks, Pastor John, that's a cute little, you know, story, but those are arcade tickets and we're talking about real money here. I know, and that's the point. Jesus says to all of us today, your giving has very little to do with how much money you have and everything to do with the condition of your heart. Hear me say that again. Your giving has very little to do with how much money you do or do not have and everything to do with where your heart is at today. How is your heart today? Are you thinking of how much can I keep to myself? Or are you thinking of how much joy can I experience by just giving it away? I don't need all these tickets. I want to experience the joy and the freedom that comes with giving. How's your heart today? We would not be where we're at today if we didn't have a bunch of merry hearts in this room. Without your love and your faithfulness and your generosity, we would not be here. And now as we look to the future, that's what we need. That's what can defeat this is joy. The Bible talks about generous giving. It's almost like we're, we're standing at a trailhead. You know when you're getting ready for a hike or a run and you're standing at the beginning and you're kind of looking out and you're saying, is it worth it? Is the next leg of the, I mean, is, is this whole Jesus thing worth it? Is this going all in with Jesus, going all in with this church? Is it really worth it? And it's perfectly normal to have doubts. It's perfectly normal to be hesitant, but at the same time, I believe there's a few lies, there's a few myths or misunderstandings, a few false ideas out there that can almost function as, if you and I are trying to run, they can almost function like, braces, like, like almost like shackles that keep us from running and kind of being the church that God had called us to be. And I was praying this week, and I got this image of our friend Forrest Gump. And from the very earliest time he can remember in his childhood, he's got braces. And we know he was created to run, but he can't because there's something holding him back. What are your braces today? Take a look at the beginning of Forrest's story. Not created to wear braces. That is not what he was created for, and neither were you. Because there's something that gets attached to us that's far more serious than those kind of braces. They're spiritual braces. They're braces that get attached to our lives and they're holding us back from getting on board. What's holding you back? What are your braces? What are the things that are holding you back from running with us in this campaign? Maybe it's just the fact that you're new. You're literally checking things out and some of you are like, I picked the worst day to come, right? No, we do not ask for money every week. But for some of you, you've been coming for a week or two weeks or a month or a lot of you are brand new this year and you're still trying to figure it out and where I fit in. And maybe you're thinking today, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of let others do the whole campaign thing. You know, I, I'm just another face in the crowd here. I kind of sneak in the back and then I'll just kind of leave and, you know, I, I, I'll just kind of let others do it. You know, if I happen to be here, I'm here. If I happen to miss, I, I, I miss on a Sunday. And I just want to challenge you this morning with a heart of love and speaking the truth and love, maybe it's time to put your roots down. 
Maybe it's time to land. Maybe it's time to say, I'm going to be a part of a church where my children can grow up and be a part of this. I'm going to put my roots down and have a place where we can invite our adult children and they can come and this is our church and, and learn what it's like to be family. Here's the thing I was thinking about it this week with family. Some of you are thinking, well, we're kind of new, so it's not this campaign thing. That's for the people that were here before and that kind of built the building. I was thinking about that this week with our families. We have Caleb, who's two and a half, and then we have Evie, who's about five or six months right now. And she, you, you would think that we love her just as much, and we do, but wouldn't it be crazy if we kind of said, you know, as she grows up, Evie, you were the last to come along and so you're not really a part of the family. You're kind of a JV member of the family, Evie, because you were the last, you know, you're kind of the newest. No, we would never, like, she's just as much a part of our family. We are a family of four. And it doesn't matter when you came on board, you are a part of the family. And some of you are thinking that today. I came on a little bit later. This is my first Sunday here. This is my third Sunday here. There's some people that have been here since 2008. I don't care, and God doesn't care. You're a part of his family. Here you're welcomed. Here you're loved. This is for you too. Folks, this is an all play, and we need you. God is calling you to be a part of this. So maybe those are your braces today. But for some of you, it looks a little bit different. For some of you, the the braces, the shackles that are keeping you from running today is whether you'll admit it, you're saying, no way. I'm not going to get burned by another church. I've seen this before. Whenever people talk about church and money, it's just messy. It's just a disaster, and I don't want to be a part of that. I know all you want is me for my money. When churches start to grow, they just get big, and it becomes all about money and budgets and buildings and all that stuff. You know what we want more than anything? You. And we want you to know what it's like to be known, to be a part of a family, to find your stride, to find your niche and how God's called you to serve, to find out maybe what you were created for. More importantly than that's what we want, God wants you. God wants all of you, and a part of all of you is we can't ignore a key act of spiritual discipline, which is tithing, which is giving, which is thanksgiving, which is what we're celebrating this week. That's what it's all about, is giving back to God what's already his. It should be no surprise that this whole campaign has been based around this central verse. Let's read it together up on the screen from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't need to remind you that the Greek word for cheerful is hilarion, where we get the word hilarious. That's way from time to time, during the offering at Hope Des Moines, people start to giggle uncontrollably. (laughs) But what if you could? What if it brought you that much joy and freedom? What wasn't it like, oh, we just had worship, it was amazing. Now the offering. Now the offering. Now the offering. Now we get to give back to God what's already his. And so the simple ask today is pray. Pray and ask God this simple prayer. God, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for Hope Des Moines? No gimmicks, no games, no slogans. Just pray about it. And if you don't get an answer 
take your time. There's no pressure. Pray about it again. And then when he speaks, respond in obedience. And we'll leave the results up to him. Somebody asked me this week, I said, yeah, we're doing kind of a recommitment Sunday and, and all this. We got this big loan. We got this big rock to pay off. And somebody said, are you freaking out? Are you nervous about what's going to happen? What if you don't get enough? Are you nervous? Are you stressed out? As we often do around money. And I said, nope. Actually never have been. Because this is his church. It always has been. And as the book of Acts tells us, if God's in this thing, nothing will be able to stop it. Jesus says to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. It's his church, not ours. And he says, even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is nothing in this world, in the darkness or the evil or anything that exists out there that will ever be able to defeat God's church. It's his plan A and it's his only plan for building the kingdom. And you and I can choose whether we want to be a part of that or not and be a part of something lasting, be a part of something that's going to last for eternity. So for some of you, the braces that need to come off are the lies and the myths and the wounds from the past. Give it a chance. Put God to the test in this. And yet for many of you, there's a final set of braces just like Forrest that, well, is keeping you from running and being a part of this as well. And for some of us, it would be easy to miss the entire point of this campaign if you assume that giving financially is the only way to contribute. Some of you are saying today, John, I am barely scraping by. I I, I can't afford to, to, to do that. Life doesn't allow me to give away much right now, and so this campaign just must not be for me. Let me just say this. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every one of us has something to give, and maybe we need to reframe our thinking to not just thinking about monetarily. What has God given you? If everything is a gift from him, that means the time that you have, all of us have the same amount of time. The talents and the gifts that you have or that you are uniquely you, all of us have those. And some of us are able to give our treasure. Time, our talents, and our treasure. For some of you, it might be what you write on that card today just as important about what a dollar sign is. For some of you, it might be the way that you serve. It might be the high five or the hug that you offer those who need it. It might be that listening ear. It might be the prayer that you're going to offer up here as a prayer partner after worship. It might be those of you that hold our little ones in the nursery. It might be those of you that play an instrument up here. It might be running the computer or serving breakfast. You have something to pour out to God just like Mary because just like her, you've experienced the life-changing love of Jesus Christ and you are here today, folks. We are here today with breath in our lungs because of the God that created you. It's time to take the braces off and run together. What's holding you back today? And you'll notice in this final scene, when it's a matter of life and death, Forrest discovers his purpose. He discovers that he was created to run. The same is true for us. It's time to take the braces off, and it's time to be the church. Let's take a look. You uh, may not realize this, but Hope Des Moines, you were made to run like the wind blows. You really were. 
It's what you were created for. It's time for those braces to come off. And I don't know if you noticed that, that look on his face when those things fall off. Whether it's, oh, I'm new and I'm not really a part of it. I've been burned by church and the money before and all that stuff. I don't have anything to give. Take the braces off. Let them fall off and get that look on your face that says, I have something to live for. This isn't a game. This is real life and nothing could be more important. You were created to run as a church, to experience that freedom, to find your stride. So as you take out that card now and you look at that and you pray about that, If God has laid it on your heart to give something, then give today. But if you don't feel that, if there's any ounce of guilt or pressure, hear me say this, don't give. But folks, this is an all play. Every single one of us can have something on that card, whether, God, how do you want me to use my time differently? God, what are the gifts and the passions and the talents that you've given me? Or God, what is the treasure that you want me to contribute? This isn't about money. It's not about budgets. It's not about buildings. It's about his mission and what he wants to accomplish through us as a church. And so in a little bit, the worship team is going to lead us in worship, and we're just going to invite you to come. The ushers aren't going to lead you up. This is is a get-to, not a got-to. And just come on up, and here's the thing. This is for everybody, so everybody can come up. Your time, your talent, your treasure, what is it that God has called you to give back? to this community of faith and just write that, put it in the envelope so it's confidential and drop it in the bucket. Drop it in the basket up here and then you can head back to your seats and don't go anywhere because the worship team will continue to lead us in worship and we'll stand and close out the service together with that. If you don't have one of those cards, the ushers have some extra ones and they can hand them out to you. And as you're looking over those, I just want to share with you one final thing. This was a late addition because of the snow this weekend. I was out playing in the snow with our two-and-a-half-year-old, Caleb. And uh, we were, he was helping me shovel and just playing with him. And I was thinking about how much he loves this church. And after the second service, he'll be up here dancing if you want to stay for the after party. Um, and I was just watching him play and work. And as often does, it just... I just said, hey, buddy, I am so proud of you. And I love you so much. And I want you to know, like, the whole week I've just been stressing about, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, what pastor likes to stand up and ask for money? I don't. But this is about him. It's not about me. It's about, not about us. And I'm like, how do I say it just right and, you know, that really strike a chord with people? And and in that moment when those words came out of my mouth to him, I felt like my father, like God said, oh, just tell him that. I am so proud of you as a church. I'm so proud of you. You were made to run like the wind blows and I love you this is this has been the best time of my life nothing could be more important than this and way more important than what I think is what God thinks and he says to you this morning I'm so proud of you Hope Des Moines you're an incredible church 
You're an incredibly generous and faithful church. And he says, I love you. It doesn't matter what goes on that card. That's between you and him. I love you so much. It's time to be the church. It's time to run into the future that we have together.